That's so traumatic. All right, guys, this is Let's Talk Trauma, and I'm Rose Breedmeyer. Today, I have Courtney with me, and she is the mother of one of my earlier guests, Tara, and she is amazing, and she's going to say whatever comes to her mind, and that's the best part of her. So, Courtney, would you like to say hello? Hello. And I would just like to say, of the two mothers, I'm the original. I'm the OG mom. <laughs> yes. That's cool thing. OG. Can I say that? No, I'm you, sorry. yes, you can. Sorry, sorry, Tara. I don't mean to embarrass you. I'm Tara's mother. She, um, she is my cross goblin, my oldest. Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, the others don't listen. They know. They know. They know. <laughs> Yeah, this recording is done via the phone. So if it's a little off on the audio, that's what's going on. All right. I'm so, trying to. I'm using the fancy um, Apple earphones, not the AirPods, because I don't have any of those. But I'm using the old Apple earphones, so I hope they work. Yeah. You sound good from my end, so hopefully it translates. Okay, well, now I just knocked it out of my ears. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm good. I'm good. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, I'm in Texas. Yeah. So, hello from Texas. I guess I'll do the original howdy, y'all. That's what everybody said. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, hey, okay, so I guess we should let people know. I call um, Rose Lizzie, so I'll go back and forth between Rose and Lizzie, same person. So, mm-hmm. Just so people know. I don't need, nobody needs to know why. That's just between me and her. <laughs> uh, you can share why. I think it's funny. I don't want to tell them. I don't want to tell anybody why. Oh, yeah. It'll be our secret then. Yes. It's not hard to figure out if you know Rose. <laughs> okay. Well I, mean, well, I mean, that's a good thing, right? I mean, if they know, like, your name, they can figure it out. Yeah, but the history. Okay. All right. All right. We're getting sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. I digress. Hi. I'm Courtney, and we're gonna. I have I have so much trauma. We don't even know where to start. That was our conversation. No, that's not true. Yeah, that's I have a wonderful life. Um, yeah, um, I have a, I have a great life. I do live in Texas. Um, Tara is one of my three children. She is the oldest um, by two years, right? Two years, a little over two years, and then I have two younger sons. Yeah, I don't know their difference in age. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's right around two years. I don't know um, sex history. I mean, there's a few months. Whoa. <laughs> Simmer down. Um, but anyway, so yes. Um, and I, I grew up in Texas. Um, Tara kind of grew up everywhere. She was here for a while. But um, yeah, I grew up in Texas. Um, only child. What? What? Um to a great mother. She's amazing. Not at all a screw up like me. Um, at, you know, that's me. And then I had a dad, clearly. <laughs> um, I was actually adopted by my dad because um, my biological father was elsewhere. And um, that's a whole other story. Met him years later. <laughs> um, and oddly enough, him and my stepdad could have legit been, like my adopted dad could have legit been brothers. They looked so much alike. Mm. 
Um, but anyway, so yes, my dad, um, he was, um, he was pretty awesome. Like he taught me all the good stuff that dads teach you. Um, he had a son and daughter from a previous marriage, but, um, yeah, they just the visitations. This was like in the eighties, weekends and summers and stuff. Um, and then he opened up his own insurance company and started doing those working lunches. Um, you see pictures of them now. It's like they take, you can see them in the 70s and 80s movies with like the polyester and the bad hair with the like tinted wear glasses. My dad was those guys with the smoke and the full ashtrays. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Am I, I mean, like, if you watch Boogie Night, the dudes in the audience at the Boogie Nights, that was my dad. Okay. <laughs> Put it that way. And he was handsome too. So he, I mean, he could have little legit then, you know. I'm sure he probably was. Anyway. So, yeah, he became kind of a mean, raging alcoholic. Um, oh, wow. Through the course of time. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty mean. Pretty, pretty, um, pretty abusive. Do you have any and, stories of that that you experienced? Oh, where could I begin? Um, yes, I do, actually. Um, the ones, like, there's a whole bunch that are crappy, um, but for years, you know, back in the, okay, so this would have been, I'm trying to get my years right, so late 70s, early 80s, um, we were, like, middle class, I guess you'd say. I had a brick house, lived in a subdivision, um, you know, like a, a town at the time, this is a small town, 10,000 people. Um, and um, I had a friend over, you know, the sleepovers, sleepovers, if you will, and it was cold outside. It was it was December, I think. It was cold. Um, for Texas, I mean, there was like actually snow on the ground. So it might have been January, actually. But anyway, I dig that. Anyway, <laughs> so yes, um, I had a friend over. And we were awakened by the sound of a shotgun. Okay. So on this very cold night, it just so happened. Um, and yeah, I look back now and can see like where this was like a God thing in so many ways. Her mom um, was right down the street from where I live at a women's church gathering, social kind of thing. And so we jumped out my window in our underwear and t-shirt, we're probably, you know, junior high-ish age, maybe, um, and ran down the street, freezing cold, <laughs> banging on the door, and um, these women were so badass. I think about it now, and they were really badass at the time, because, you all this was just, when this kind of stuff wasn't talked about. Like, it was, you didn't talk about stuff like that, and um, they jumped in the car and drove down to my house, and they were just bound in turn, and they were going to beat in the door and get my mom on, but she had already left the house, and she was walking down the street, so we picked her up, and anyway, we all went back down to that woman's house, and a bunch of good Southern Baptist women is what that was, and they fed us, and they made us warm, um, and so yeah, that was that's one of the more scary, nobody got shot, sorry. Nobody, nobody died. <laughs> yeah, you left that there. part out. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, so nobody died. But, yes, that was uh, shotguns were not. I don't even think the cops came now that I think about it. I don't even think the cops showed up that night. Was he shooting at that your mom? Anything. Um, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it was like a warning shot. Like she had said something to make him mad, you know, and they were fighting. 
Mm. And um, that was the first time he'd ever gotten on the, gotten drunk and like gotten really mad at my mom. Um, when I had a friend over up to like that, just look at a Friday night, dude, but like Monday morning, everybody knew that my dad was a raging alcoholic and, mm. <laughs> and she all have shotguns in the house, small town, you know? Um, so that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of the beginning and it just escalated, you know, to where you, you know, I'd try to defend my mom and, uh, I guess I was about 15 or 16 and, um, he was, he was going, he was going at my mom pretty good. Um, and we always had like, I mean, it's Texas. We had guns in the house, you know, back then you could, it was nothing. You know, we had pistols and shot. My dad was a hunter. Um, I knew how to shoot guns. My brother knew how to shoot guns. We, you know, we just went in. My mom did. Um, but I did grab a pistol. I did pull a pistol on him once. Oh, wow. And, um, well, yeah. And of course, you know, my mom's like, it's not worth it. You'll go to jail. It's not worth it. Because back then, and I very well could have. It's not like it is now where I would have had like that. I mean, I was a kid, so it might have been different. But still, it was just, you know, oh, domestic violence. It was mm-hmm. just kind of starting to be a whisper that, that happened in, you know, just one house in the neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so there was that. So, um, but that, that's my dad who adopted me, but he raised me. So from the time I was six months old, so he was my dad, you know, he's good and bad. And he was a great guy too. I mean, oh, really smart. Um, very athletic. The man could sell ice to Eskimos. He was the best salesman. I mean, he was an insurance salesman and legit made money at it. He could shuffle a game of hustle or he could, uh, hustle a game of shuffleboard. I never saw anybody do that. So. He was, I mean, he was a really cool guy. He was just a raging mean alcoholic. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I learned how to have a really bad temper from him and probably a little bit of an addictive personality. So, yeah. So that probably didn't help. Any questions from the crowd thus far? Wait, say that Hello? again. I said, did you have any questions? Oh, well, no. I mean, I was just in. I was just taking all that in because um, we've never had any kind of conversations like this of your family. But um, you said that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't really talk about that too much, really. Yeah. I don't think it's something that you jump into a conversation with anybody. Hey, my dad's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> but um, no. No, you don't. But, I, you know, I did, um, when I was younger, I remember being able to talk to my grandmother about it, his mom, and, um, you know, for the times, like, she was very, very, very comforting to me, but there was really no protocol, like, she wasn't, she probably said something to her son at some point, you know, but it's not like, we're going to sit down around the family table and we're going to figure this out, by golly, you know. Uh, yeah. So... It's just something that you deal with until you don't. And then my mom left, you know, like my senior year in high school. And it was great. Good for But her. that was also the same year that I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 And she's like the best person ever. So that was in 1980. And so I, she left, actually. She left in 87. Was it 87? 88. Maybe the spring of 88. Nope. It was at a football game. It had been in the fall. Okay, so yeah, it was the fall of 88, and so I graduated in 
89. Let me age myself. I will be 50 this year. I made it. Ooh. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then I had already started to, um, at that point, even before, of course, I started to, I first looked and weave when I was like, I don't know, 14 or so mm. was the first time I think. How old were you when you were a freshman in high school? 13, 14? I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, 14-ish. The summer before freshman in high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, small town, you know, not much to do. It's a rodeo town, especially back then. Um, yeah, I started smoking weed, and then I started dating an older guy, and then I started, so you date older people, you do older drugs, you know. How much and that older? was back in the, how much older was the guy? Uh-huh. He was six years older. He was a bass player in a band. Oh, my goodness, Courtney. <laughs> of course. Oh, yes. Yes, of course, girl. Come on now. <laughs> I was only, I was going to school half a day. So I would go to work after school at like 1130. I would, uh, I worked the local, local lunch rush. At the local pizza joint, or one of the local, well, actually, it was the only pizza joint in town at the time. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very cool. Uh, having a boyfriend in the band, long haired in the 80s, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. They played cover tunes of like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Pantera. And, oh, yeah, it was great. It was fun. Got to go into all the bars because I was with the band. Mm-hmm. It was the 80s. Days were great. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So like you said, older older boyfriend, you know, older drugs. So um speed, that's what it was called back then, speed. Nobody really called it meth. It's just speed. Everybody's doing speed. So started doing speed. Um, it was really gross and tasted nasty, but I guess you were say a freshman you started that? I started that when I was Started smoking weed when I was in high school. I probably started doing speed. Uh, it was my junior year, my junior year in high school. Probably the summer before my junior year, going into my junior year was when I first started dabbling. Dabbling. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying new hobbies. Dabbling. Out. Hey, you know, everybody says find a hobby. I found a hobby. <laughs> Come on, but here's the thing. Um. And I, I'm not trying to promote <laughs> yeah. drug use, but I will say this. I still maintained an A in school. Oh my I still managed to go to school. So I managed to go to school, and I had a job, and I helped my mom pay the bills. So I was a responsible drug user. <laughs> I was what you call a functioning, yeah. Was it always like that? So that was. Because in well, high school, you saying... I was, yeah, I did, yeah, in high school, but see, now, okay, so, I knew I had a problem in high school, so I left high school, uh, two weeks after I graduated high school, I left it, I moved away to Florida, um, we, it started out as a vacation for my mom and I, but I could already tell things were kind of starting to get out of control, and, so, um, I, uh, so I was graduating high school, and I'd always wanted to go to college, and so, I was like, well, I'll go to Florida and I'll work for a year. We had family there. And um, 
then, you know, get a residency and then go to college in Florida because it costs like a butt ton of money mm-hmm. to go to college out of state. And um, I definitely didn't need to be in Texas because, you know, I look back now and clearly I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Not only are people addicted to my personality, but also <laughs> I tend to be an addict sometimes. Um, so I moved to Florida. And I actually, I quit. I quit doing, um, and I didn't realize at the time, but I kind of went through some withdrawals. Um, but also I think it was getting used to Florida because Lord have mercy, it rains there a lot. Mm. And then, and then I met this dude and we, um, fornicated and had a child and got married. Well, not met older. We fornicated, got married, had a child who is now the, the lovely Tara that you spoke of some time ago. Oh, you didn't, you didn't plan to have Tara? I mean... That's a surprise. I, uh, good surprises are never planned, Lizzie. Good mm. surprises are never planned. It's all right. I was a surprise, too. Okay. Oh. Well, see, there you go. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, as we spoke about earlier before, I didn't want to have kids. I mean, that's really no lie. When I was a kid I didn't I didn't want to have kids and not that was me just the world sucked back then mm-hmm. and I was like I don't want to bring kids into this world this world sucks um preach but what what were you gonna say I just said preach the world well, sucks do what I said the world sucks well that was during Russia in the cold war it's way worse now it is now 2020, and oh my God, when is it going to end? Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then I met and married um, Tara's father, and then we split up because we were young, and I was stupid, and, um, but got a badass kid out of it. And then I met another guy, had more kids, had two spanked fantastic boys. So Tara had two little brothers. And um, when the youngest one was two months old, I decided I was ready to come back to Texas for various reasons. Um, I started smoking weed again when I was in Florida, and I dabbled a little in cocaine with a family member, actually. Oh, just um, family bonding. I mean, you know, I guess want to call it that, doing some cocaine and walking around under bridges in the swamps. I mean, it's whatever. Okay. So we'll call that bonding. Yeah, it wasn't really in the swamps. I exaggerated that part. But we were walking around under bridges in the middle of the night. And I honestly don't remember where it was. It was one of the many, many things that they call lakes in Orlando, but they're really just what we in Texas refer to as a tank or potentially a pond also known in some parts, they mm. call them little lakes and they give them names and stuff. Like you can throw a rock across them. They're not lakes. They're stock tanks. Hmm. Does anybody know what a stock tank is? Anybody? Uh, are you talking to me? Because I'm the only one. Well, you're the only other answer. person on the line. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Was you know what a stock tank is? Yes. Okay. Well, for those of you that don't know, Google that shit. Yeah. They can do their homework. Um, we don't have to. 
That's right. Here's your homework. You Google what a stock tank is, for those of you that don't know. And if it comes up a nice, big, like, galvanized tin thing, that's not the right one. Um, okay. So, where would I take that? So, I have You're doing cocaine kids. with family. Oh, that was a short, luckily, that was a short, short-term thing. Um, for so many reasons. Um, mostly because I realized, hey, I really like cocaine. And, hey, cocaine's really expensive. And, hey, I don't make any money. Y'all, this was in, like, um, what was what did I call it? Minimum wage was, I don't know, around $5, five and a quarter maybe, four seventy-five, and I made just a little bit more than that, an hour. So, clearly, I'm not a cocaine-wielding mama, or what, I wasn't a mama of any sort at that time. I did cocaine before I had children. And then, um, yeah. Hmm, that was some, yeah, and then I had kids, and I kind of got straight, and then I moved to Texas, and within six months, I unfortunately fell back into the clutches of methamphetamine, mm. which is where, actually, I guess we could pick up our story, because that's kind of where, you know, the whole situation with Tara came about, and when it really started, you know, became an addiction. Yeah. How old was um, she when that kind of creeped back in? Okay, so... I got to, I got to, I got to do math. Okay. Um, I came back in 1995 and she, so she was four ish. Was she four yet? Yes. She was Mm -hmm. four. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and things were good. I mean, things were okay for a while. Um, I mean, there wasn't like the best relationship between but we were young between like her dad and I but I mean it, we were doing the best we could and he was already married and had other kids God bless her she's got four little brothers and um she's the only big sister to everybody so which a very good one at that mind you mm-hmm. and um so we traveled back and forth doing pickups for a while and that worked until, uh, you know, I was trying to make ends meet. I was single for a while. And then I started dabbling back in the methamphetamine world. And you can make things work for a little while. And I'll have to forgive me because a lot of this I've forgotten, so I'm trying to remember. So I think it kind of started with, I didn't have vehicles to get me back and forth because it was like a three-hour driveway. It was six hours of driving. Mm. Um, and so it would start with that, you know, when, when it first started. And then they actually moved closer, and my addiction was starting to get worse. And that's where, like, I cell phones weren't a thing. Yeah. So I would say I was coming, you know, they wouldn't even leave their house until I called and said I was on my way, which I don't blame them. You know, there was many times that I was, I just didn't show. Like I just said, I'm going to be there. Or we would make arrangements like a couple weeks before and there was no communication for me and they didn't reach out. And I don't blame, there's no blame there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, especially if 
if like the boys were at their dad, you know, then she didn't come over a lot. We didn't, I didn't have all of them around. Um, cause there was usually people at our house, you know, doing things that we didn't need to be doing. Yeah. Um, now I will say, let me just say this. I know a lot of people have this picture or idea of a drug addict, especially a drug addict that, um, doesn't show up to pick up their kid or, you know, Sends them home dirty from a weekend, um, you know, certain things like that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't always a norm, and there are those of us in the world. And I'm not justifying or making excuses. I'm just placing facts the best way that I know how to place them based on my life. Okay. So not every drug addict looks like a strung out. I've got sores all over my face and my jaw won't quit twitching and I can't walk straight. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're functioning alcoholics in the world. There's and especially back then because it it was different kinds of drugs. It's made with different kinds of things. So it it was horrible for you. Um, but it didn't it had different types of effects. Um, not good, still bad, but it was more of a you kind of locked yourself away. Your dad got sure didn't go out in public a lot. Or I didn't anyway. Um, but when I did, I made sure I looked good. I was clean. You know, um, I didn't walk around dirty or smelly. I didn't have dirty clothes on. I maintained a job. You know, um, my long-term boyfriend and I at the time, we, we lived in the same houses for um, multiple years. You know, paid our rent. We did home repairs. I had, you know, took my kids back and forth to school. I mean, all of the kids graduated high school with, um, you know, top honors, went, went on to, you know, college. Um, so I maintained as an addict, um, but I was still an addict. Kind of like the, the soccer moms that used to, people used to make fun of doing Adderall. Yeah. You know, that's how I did. But I was still in the bathroom you know, while the kids were out in the yard and my drug dealer was in there shooting me up, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I had to sit there and make myself normal enough to be able to uh, be a mom and a wife, girlfriend, friend, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom didn't know. So, of course, and she was three weeks, three blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I saw her on a regular basis and she, you know, like she knows now. But she didn't really know the extent until she listened, until she listened to her granddaughter on a podcast, you know, because mm-hmm. I joke about it now because I have to, because that's part of my recovery. Um, it's not who I am. Yeah. It's a, it's a story. It's part of how I got where I am. It's definitely, um, it was a long, windy sidewalk on my path. Um. And I've forgotten a lot of stuff, and I hate that. I used to spend days planning these badass birthday parties for my kids, and I couldn't even tell you if they actually happened or not, you know? Mm. Um, It's just, I have kids that are very resilient and amazing, and they turned out really good considering. Um, But also, I, I wasn't living in a hotel pimping myself out, you know, 
for the next pit that I could put in between my toes. Yep. You know, they typically got dinner at night. They were typically bathed. They were typically put in bed. But there were times that, you know, we camped out at the river too, and the river was their bathtub. And let me tell you, they liked it. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> they were river rats, and that's part of what you do when you live in the country too. Yeah. But, I feel like that's a normal I mean, thing, even if mom's not a druggie. Like, that's just. I, I hope so. I hope all people have in their lives some kind of river or ocean or water that, or whatever they need in their world that makes them calm. But I think with all of us, I think with me and almost all my kids, I know with my daughter. And I know it. Yeah, at least one of my boys. I know water is definitely a calming thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely um, for me. Yeah. I mean, it's like I go to sleep with like the, you know, the night. Yeah, I do the ocean sounds. Whatever, the night, the sound. Yeah, the ocean sound. There you go. Um, but I mean, as far as like any one traumatic experience, you know, when you talk the whole laptop trauma, I look back now. And it's more traumatic for me to listen to someone talk about my life for a decade or so and how it affected them than actually living it. Because I look back now and I made it. Like I said, I joked a while ago, I made it to 50. Mm-hmm. But I did make it to 50. And it's a big thing. for like I'm not there yet. I, I don't mean to put bad juju out there. Please, Lord, let me make it to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I was, I was a fuck up for a while. Pardon my friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did. I was, I'd stay up for two or three days, four or five days, actually. And, um, you know, I, my kids, the boys, when they were younger, they would go, you know, before school started, they would go and they would stay with their dad because he was in another state. Of course, he was in Florida. So, man, they'd go for a couple of months. And, man, it would be a couple of months then. And the bad thing was, was like, my dealer bailed out of my house. So I basically didn't have to pay for my shit. Mm. So it was just a steady stream. So it was a steady stream of people in and out and basically free dope. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, but, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> no. Yeah. But that's, that's what it was. But oddly enough, you, um, she built these weird relationships. Of course, as you do, as anyone does in any addictive lifestyle. Um, and a lot of us were able to, sometimes I feel, at the time, we were the only ones, me and Sean were the only ones with kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I had moved off to Florida and, and had kids and come back and, you know, I was doing the mom thing, so... And it's easier when you have another person because Sean was pretty grounded and pretty, pretty low key. He's just, he was, um, yeah, Tara talks very highly of Sean. I think he had a huge impact on her life and she really loved him. Yeah. Anyone that was fortunate enough to be, um, loved by him, he had an impact on their life. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I've never, it is, yeah, a unforgettable impact for sure. Um, so it, with the two of us, it was easy because we, we had a great relationship when it came to parenting the kids. Um, 
it was a little backwards of what people would consider normal. I was the um, I was the harder hand of the two. I was the, the drill sergeant. The my God, you'll respect me. You, you know, you'll fear me. I was that. I was that mom. But then I was also the mom that at the end of it, I would come and call and bed with you and go, I'm really sorry. I love you. Um, please don't be mad at me. Mm. But he was the one that would like scoop them up in the car and take them for ice cream when they had the little, you know, tears running down their face and, or take them over, you know, to mama and papa's and, which is his grandparents. So, you know, technically they're great grandparents and they'd play in the yard or, you know, whatever you do at great grandparents when mom's acting like a shithead. Because there were those times. I mean, there were times I, I, you know, when you're messed up on drugs, you, you run Christmases and you run Thanksgivings and you run those moments that in your head you think you're making better, but you're just being a big old fat bitch head. And um, I feel there's no amount of apologies that I could ever say to my children make up for those times and a lot of those times they might not even remember because they were younger but I remember um you know I remember the bad thing about you know mine and Tara's separation as it were for that time period was I was I was actually like sober then Mm. like I wasn't jacked up anymore so that's why it was so flipping hard like I had come through um, you know, because just a little, just less than 24 months before all that went down, I mean, I was sitting in the living room with both of my boys and we didn't have any electricity and we were getting evicted. And it wasn't because I was on drugs anymore. I was actually clean then. It was just because, well, you know, life just sucks sometimes. And sometimes the choices you make aren't the best choices. And I didn't make good choices, not drug related. And um, I was just getting back on my feet and felt really good about going to that, that court battle, so to speak. Um, because I was proud of myself for being clean and I was proud of myself for, um, not getting evicted for having these wonderful people that were my landlords because I lived in a house. I didn't live in an apartment. I haven't lived in an apartment since the freaking eighties. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, they took pity upon a single mom and gave me a freaking break. And if anybody ever hears this, man, you got to give somebody a break. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta put your face somewhere. And they did. They took a break on, they, they, they definitely took a chance on me and my kids. My kids loved them. They were some of the best people ever. We lived with them on their property for three and a half years on a beautiful little brick home that was just as cute as it could be. And it was during that time, unfortunately, when I was getting my act together, um, that's where those demons come back and they, man, they just bite you in the ass. Mm. You know, when you're think you're do- you think you're doing everything right for your family and for a single mom that has two boys living with her and a child that she misses every day because she's not there. And then, because believe me, that's hard enough to explain as a mom. Well, you don't have your other child. Well, no, because, you know, it's kind of a fuck up. So you just kind of try to smooth that over and go, but these are my boys. 
And my daughter's amazing. So just you wait and see. You know, it's, you know. Yeah, that's got to be It's bad choices, and I have to live with that. That is my bad choice. And that is now the trauma that, unfortunately, I have to relive sometimes, to be quite frank. Mm. You know, I have to deal with the, um, I have to deal with the bad choices that I made because I was a dumbass. And I created a ripple effect for my children. I can sit here and talk about how wonderful they are and they went to college and they did. But she's in rice. They are not perfect. <laughs> I mean, they they have all, well, I mean, they're not perfect. You know, they come from a different spot. They come from a spot with a mom that was an addict, but they didn't have that addict lifestyle, I guess, is that so often depicted. They had a different addict lifestyle and they know of that you know when I gave my testimony at church and you know tried to help other when I tried to help other young people um I said that cheesy because it but I meant it I did try to help some people <laughs> yeah I was wondering and then I I enjoyed that relationship with those kids and I still do I still have those relationships with a lot of those kids uh, and luckily my own. I mean, they get mad at me, but they don't ever, no, none of them, they don't ever look at me and go, geez, mom, you were such a fuck up, you know? Because they see that, I think they see now. Yeah. You know, that first of all, they're adults and um, adulting sucks. Yeah, now they're their own people. Just like, I mean, your father, obviously that wasn't the best home life for you but you don't you don't say that all your decisions were based on his actions you have to take accountability for yourself at this point and I think your children do a good job at doing that well and that's that I mean a lot of that comes from like um you know my mom came from a, a great solid family background I mean believe me they were you want to talk about some trauma oh, but yeah. <laughs> um solid my mom made sure that I had good, for the most part, solid ethics and morals. And, you know, I, I, I used to always brag because um, I had one of the best moms in the world because she was non-judgmental. And God bless her for that. But she was also, to use her term, very Pollyanna. Mm. I'm very glad that she didn't know the extent of my addiction and that even though through the years that I've talked about it, my mom's very non-confrontational. Um, for the most part, except for sometimes some of her grandchildren. <laughs> giggle, giggle. Um, but, you know, she comes from that generation of, I'm not going to look at my child and see that there was something wrong. And I don't, I don't blame my parents for my bad choices. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not the one that, used to roll up that nasty, gross dope back in the 80s and eat it because it was too unstable to snort up my nose. You know, that's, a, that's definitely a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, I just, I, I would like to think that if ever I was put here for a reason, it was to help somebody realize that, um, you know, 
like everybody says, it's not just about the bad choices and the good choices that you make, but it's about, you got to think about how they affect the ripple effect. I just always picture that, that drip in the pond, Mm. you know, and as parents, we have to really think of the, the effect. Um, Mm. I am blessed with, I mean, I have great kids. I have a daughter and two sons that, um, I mean, everybody thinks their kids are the greatest and that's perfectly okay. And I think mine are the greatest. And, and I've been blessed with, um, their badass significant others. I've, I get to have relationships with them and they allow me to do that. Um, cause I'm overbearing and I'm crass and I make inappropriate jokes and I joke about my addiction. I li- I mean, it's not a joke. I don't, I don't joke about it in a way. Um, it's a way to cope I with your past. Now, I get it. I laugh at everything huh? that's inappropriate. It's a way to cope with um, your past. I laugh about things that are inappropriate yeah. to laugh at. I get it. Well, and I didn't do people were like, oh, well, did you go to some kind of program? I didn't go to a program. Um, I just, I decided it was time to, you know, for lack of a better Texas phrase, it was time to cowboy up, you know. I had I had children that I had to think about and I had a mother that I loved and, and the bad thing is, is you know I have some, some um, residual health issues now that I'm sure wouldn't have been um, to the point that they are if I hadn't have been shoving a bunch of chemicals in my in my body for like a decade yeah you know off and on and it is um, I feel like it's important to know that you are clean like. I am clean. Yes, I'm clean. I am. Um, I drink lots of water. <laughs> um, you can definitely look at me and tell I am not on any kind of methamphetamines or cocaine. I am not skinny. Yay. <laughs> I like, I like food and I cannot lie. <laughs> I mean, um, but I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's scars and I know that there's things that I've, I know that there's trauma that, that my, I think Tara, unfortunately, was the was the child that probably has the most memorable trauma, for lack of a better word mm-hmm. or a better phrase. Um, you know, by the time the boys were kind of starting school and starting to be more aware of their surroundings, um, because they were back and forth a lot with their dad. You know, they didn't. They didn't realize I don't think as much they just and we were also at the time I was um my boyfriend and I at the time were very social either anyway we just both were we had this large group of friends that we referred to as our family and they were always around and um you know I know that Tara I don't have regrets there because I know that my kids were brought up around some amazing people and they have really good memories for the most part, I think, of their childhood. I think that, I think that they look back for the most part with fond memories. And the majority of the things they remember from those days are probably just the times that I lost my temper. Because when you're up for a while and you haven't eaten and you've been doing drugs and, you know, smoking cigarettes, because I smoked cigarettes like a freight train at the time, mm. you know. You're uh, you're not the best version of yourself, and that's 
you know, I think they've forgiven me for that. I mean, they still talk to me and they come around and they love on me and tell me they love me and shit. Hopefully they're not lying. <laughs> well, I mean, they're really good at it if they are because I don't even have to pay them anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's big time. But uh, I did um, have a question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you want to talk about this and you don't have to, but in Tara's, in Tara's interview, she talked about yeah. um, the court where she like had to go in like, and um, you know, the whole custody battle type deal. Do you, oh, yeah, you listen yeah. to that? Oh yeah. Uh, what was yeah, what was okay. your side of things like? What was going on for you? Um. Well, and let me let me tell you. So let me tell you, like the moment that's all very vivid for me. Um, but the moment that was best, I guess, if there was a, a best moment for me out of that was I remember the day that because that day when we walked out of the court, um, Tara just looked at me and she goes. Do I get to come see you this summer? And that was like the best thing ever. Like, because the look on her face was sheer. Like, she, I could tell she wanted to come be with me. Because as she had mentioned before, before court, you know, she was with like her dad. She had like a posse, you know. And of course, I'm in, a, I'm in another state. So, you know, it's more or less their turf. It's kind of how it feels. Not her, but it's the whole general process. Mm-hmm. Um but I felt for as far as what happened in court that day, um, I felt good about the ultimate decision that happened that day because I didn't lose visitation of my child and everything that I said stood up in court. Um, I brought a chain of custody drug test that I had taken when I was in Texas and like, I went through all the proper legal channels to get proper affidavits from people. Um, and I was representing myself because I couldn't afford an attorney. Mm. And um, they hadn't told the judge that I was coming in from out of state. So that attorney got chastised right off the bat. And it was a female, it was a female judge. And, um, but I did not take any. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be horrible. I mean, because, you know, they were going to make me look like crap. And I know how attorneys are. It's legalese. Um, but they also got called out for refusing me my visitation for the year um, that he had made that because um, he had refused visitation. Mm-hmm. My court ordered visitation. For, not a, It wasn't quite a year. I think I missed my summer visit maybe or Christmas visit. There was a couple visits in there. And so I was like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was like, in my, inside, I was like jumping up a little. I was like, mm-hmm, there you go. You know, but it wasn't like she was patting me on the back at all. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, um, you know, I just proved that I wasn't a piece of shit mom and that I wasn't doing drugs in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, basically just answered all of their charges with proper paperwork. And uh, the judge asked me some questions and asked about my job and where I lived and um, asked about the boys. You know, she's, you, know you have two boys in your, in your care. And I was like, well, yes, you know, then that made a difference, of course. And 
And I was dressed nice. I mean, at the time, I was the manager of a jewelry store. I had on a beautiful suit. You know, I was clean. I was dressed. I was, yes, ma'am, no. I mean, I didn't, you know, which anybody can clean up for a day. Mm -hmm. But like I said, at that point, I was clean. And all that was going down. I mean, that's kind of the irony of it all, I guess. Um, There's times that I, I would love to look at the court papers and see everything that was exactly said. You know, you remember highs and lows. I remember I remember being chastised for a couple of things. Um, but all in all, I, for me, it was okay because I was going to still get to see my daughter. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to be able to have this relationship with my child that, for my own fault, had already been on shaky ground. Um, and then I took the, you know, because I had been an addict, so I had kind of been a, you know, when they say absentee parent, I mean, I was, I was an absentee parent. I made phone calls when I remembered and I mean, I was a shit. I know I was, I still regret missing birthdays or calling late or, you know, um, sometimes it was a legitimate you know, I, I didn't realize the time because I did have these two other babies. You know, there's just all sorts of shit. And it doesn't matter because it was shit. And it mm-hmm. made my daughter feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And that's all that really matters. It was not easy for her. And no, none of, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. As far as that goes, I was just an ass. Um, no excuse for that. No, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that she loves me so. Um, <laughs> But, um, I mean, no, for me, it was a good day because my daughter was happy at the end of the day when we walked out of the courtroom, you know, um, and she told me she loved me and she wanted to come see me. And then, yeah, everything went shit after that. And, you know, I have my thoughts and they're my thoughts and it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't mean to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. but. You know, as parents, we do what we do to protect our children. And to the best of my ability, I don't ever want to fault anyone for that. Nobody ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, unless, you know, common sense overrides most of the time. Let's just go there. But, um, or there's always that you're going to call, call your dad. There's that. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, I get that generally speaking, Everybody does what's best for their child or what they think is best for their child. And I get that. And I have to respect that. And I, again, um, and I told her this and we've talked about it. I would go through as painful as it was and all of the broken phones and broken promises and tears and screaming and yelling and silent treatments and all of it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't give it up for our relationship now. So I can sit with her on a Saturday afternoon and talk for two hours about nothing, you know, on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade anything for that. Or that we can be on a road trip for two weeks and for the most part not get sick of each other, you know, over 3,000 miles in like six states and, you know, learning the Hamilton soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I, you know, those are memories. And after having a heart attack, Mine, not hers, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and I have 
and I feel like she has a good relationship with her brothers. You know, they're all adults now, so they have their own personal thing going on, and um, I miss, I miss her. I want her here all the time. You know, her and her her puppers and, you know, all the people that are important to her. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but I was still an addict and I still sucked and I still made her cry and I still put myself in positions where, you know, um, I was kidding. You know, I'm sure I probably hurt a lot of people and I'm, I'm sorry for that. You know, and I am. Drugs suck. But I can't blame every bad decision I made on my life on drugs. Mm. Sometimes I'm just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the good but, thing I'm sorry, is any other, yeah. that you are where you are now. And you have yeah. come through. And yes, you are turning 50. That is super exciting. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, um, is there anything yeah. else you'd like to share? Um, I would like to tell you, I mean, I don't know who's going to listen to this, um, especially because I tend to ramble. Um, but definitely um, don't ever stop having a relationship with your kids. You know, mm. it matters. As if you're always the adult. Even when your kids are, or you're always a parent and you're always the adult, you're always going to be more adulter than your kids. Hmm. They might do adulting better, but you're still older and more adulter. So, I mean, I never quit trying to facilitate that relationship with Tara. I never gave up. I got frustrated and wanted to sometimes. Not wanted to, that's not the right phrase. I sometimes I thought maybe it'd just be better. I, I, well, sometimes I thought it'd be better for her if I did. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, from my side looking in at the time, I mean, I was a freaking junkie. And by junkie, I mean, I was in the bathroom shooting up. I said that, but it was. That's just the reality of it. And, you know, her dad had a great job and her, you know, stepmom was stayed at home and was like the soccer mom. And this is what I saw. You know, so sometimes that was almost too high to climb for. So I would just let her sit down on the toilet and do another bonk. You know, mm-hmm. not making excuses, just saying. No, it's sometimes your I thought maybe you're she not, just better off. You're telling your story, right? Well, now. it's just well, it, but I mean, sometimes you do get that thought in your head. Maybe you're just better off. Maybe you're just better off mm-hmm. if I just stay over here in my fucked up drug-addled world, and. Maybe you're better off if I don't call you for this birthday because I haven't slept since Wednesday and it's Sunday, you know. So what's my state of mind going to be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, and that goes, that goes through your head as, I mean, that, that goes through your head as an absentee parent, period, especially a mother losing custody of her child. Um, but then, you know, and then add the other crap on top of it. Her dad's doing great, you know, and look at, he's got this great, you know, um, 
what do you call it, you know, middle class wives with the cul-de-sac and the whole thing, you know, that's what you see. And, and I'm smart enough now to know that I'm sure they had their own crap going on. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't care to know. It's not my business. And that's one thing about my daughter. She was always really good about, I think, keeping those lives separate, which had to be hard. Mm-hmm. I have to give her a lot of, a lot of respect for that. And um, I know, because here, I allowed her to be, to be her. Um, you know, I think, I, and I hope that she was able to be that way. I mean, I'm sure there were times when she wasn't because, you know, teenage girls. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, so sometimes it was a lot easier to justify doing, you know, buying the next eight ball because well, I'm going to fuck up as a parent anyway. I might as well just make it better. Or yeah, just keep going down the route I'm going. But, like you said, I grew, I got out of it, and I was lucky that I got out of it because a lot of people that were in that family of ours didn't, and mm. and that sucks, and I hate it, and I miss those people. You know, those were some good people. Those are the people that um, that I did allow to be around my children, and I am okay with that. I never allowed anyone to be around my kids that I know wouldn't take care of my kids. So for whatever sense that makes, mm-hmm. I think my children understand that. And that's really all I think that matters. I don't think any of them were ever in a position that they felt unsafe that I can remember, that I can remember them saying mm-hmm. anyway. Um, you know, like they weren't going to get like shot up in gangland or anything. That's what my dad was around. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh wait, I lost you. there? Yep, I'm there. Okay. I'm sorry I was talking a lot. That That's kind of the point. I know, but you might want to edit a lot. <laughs> oh, no. This has been really good. I've appreciated this Are conversation. Sure? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to ramble. I have a lot of trauma. I mean, but I don't want to be depressing. <laughs> I mean... If you really I know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I just, I don't want to particularly relive, you know, times of my dad's physical abuse. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, that's just crap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's depressing and triggering. I mean, he was a dick and, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I think he's still in, I think he'll still be in heaven though, because he was a Christian. He was just a dick. <laughs> he was mean. Mm. He's violent. Um, so I hope he's in. Anyway. But, um, and then, no, yeah, there's that. And then, I, I mean, I've had great years too. Like, especially the last, I don't know, one ish. Um, I've lost people that I care about. Mm-hmm. That's the trauma everybody goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, it's been a pretty good life considering I was a functioning methamphetamine addict for off and on for a decade plus. So I can't complain. Glory to God for sure on that one. For sure on that. Let me just put that out there. For real. Like, it could have gone bad on so many occasions. 
Do you have any more questions? I'm an open book. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, really I mean, I'm sure I do. Huh? I really would have thought you'd have like a list of questions for me already. Well, no, I wasn't sure exactly what you'd want to talk about. And for the whole concept of this uh, podcast is for people to talk about like what they feel comfortable. And I kind of let them just go with it. And if I hear something, I'll be like, all right, let me add to it. But no, I don't, I don't do homework. I don't plan. <laughs> this is a, I just go do, with yeah. it. Yeah. I like to be natural. Okay. Well, I hope it's interesting. Timmy, make it sound good. Yep. This is all on Timmy to fix. Um, I appreciate you letting me be on your podcast. Yeah, I'm, thank I'm you. Kind of uh, no, thank you for talking and opening up. I know that can be really nervous. Yeah. I feel like once you get into it, it's a lot better, right? Yeah. And I was trying to, and I was like, well, I need to tell my trauma because it is called trauma, but there's so much. It's not just that. Like, there's just so much. Because it's really not. I can't. I mean, I grew up in a nice middle class neighborhood. Just, you know, we had some bumps along the way. Most of them can, you know. Yeah, it's all personal I, I, stuff. It's not. Yeah. Some people can be super extreme, well, it's, but it's it's your yeah. Story. Yeah. I mean, I love, I have, a, I have a good life. I can't complain. You know, my mom's awesome. I have great kids. I have cool grand dogs. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I definitely, um, I'm blessed. I'm definitely very blessed. For sure. For yeah. sure. And now I get to be on a podcast. And I'm so Ew. excited. Yeah. Okay. So um, are you still recording? Uh, I'll turn it off now. Do you want to say bye? Okay. Oh. Uh, thank you for having me on Let's Talk Trauma. <laughs> and y'all need to go like and subscribe or subscribe and like or however you do that. Just go do it. Yeah. You're welcome, Courtney. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> oh, Rose Lizzie. I love you. I love you. All right.